Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 20 of the More Than Corporate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have an interview with Miro Wieslow. He is a leading businessman, CPA, and a top 20 entrepreneurship podcast host. Miro co-founded HodgePodge, an environmental removal and moving company that's making an impact by preventing items from being thrown out into the waste stream. Miro's podcast, Bossed to Boss, has been featured in the top 20 in the entrepreneurship category in the USA and shows others that anyone can leave a nine to five and take control of their life. I am super, super excited for this interview. Miro's going to talk about a lot of things, including what it was like to immigrate here from another country, what it was like to have expectations put on him from parents that had given so much for him to be here and then breaking away from those expectations to create a life that he loved and fulfilled him. Um, He's going to talk about failure and comfort zones and all the things that we talk about here on a regular basis and how those things allowed him to have the courage to open up his own business and the amazing things that have come from when he decided to do that. So I am super, super, super excited for you to hear what Miro has to say. So let's go ahead and get into the interview. Miro, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Amber, it's a a pleasure. I've been waiting for this all week, super excited and stoked uh, all day today. I've just been waiting to get back on the show and and here I am uh, ready ready to hopefully... uh, you know, say something, something knowledgeable that I can help the audience with. Oh, I'm sure that you will. Our conversations have been nothing but enlightening. So I am sure it'll be great. Um, for everybody listening, I'm super excited for you to hear Mira's story. Um, he has successful podcast, he has successful business, and I think he has so much to share with the, um, with you guys. So let's go ahead and start with, um, what it was like to be young Miro and, Kind of how you got to where you are now, young Miro. <laughs> That's uh, I, I love that saying because sometimes I feel so old now. So, yeah, let's uh, maybe, maybe I should use that nickname, like every, <laughs> young Miro. But uh, young Miro, it'll be your superhero name. I'll be, I'll be the only one calling myself that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean it was an interesting story. I, I grew up in Poland initially, and in Poland I I was <clears throat> I was there for the first five years of my life. So by the time I got here to to America, which was just a whole story in itself, and and sometimes uh, you know it's not something I get too deep into, but it, let's just say it was quite the adventure of getting over here and and finally um, you know seeing my parents and what they're doing for us. And at the moment, it didn't like all click. And I was like, why are they always working so hard? Why are why are we? Why don't we have anything? What, like for the first fifteen years. Like, why, why don't I ever have anything? Why do I keep going to these shelters and, and these churches and these groups and getting all these donations? Like, why, why, why? Why do I get one Christmas gift? And I realized later on, it put a chip on my shoulder because I saw my parents constantly struggling the whole time I was young. With that, it just sort of made me realize that, you know, it's, it's not so easy here. Not, not all of us come and are, are born into it and have these things handed to us. And I think right away, it kind of put me at a small advantage because I knew growing up, there was a lot of 
ifs, constantly ifs, like, will we have this? Will we have that? You know, will, will, will we ever, will I finally get that cell phone? Like, you know, what is this little thing that most people have? And, and when I finally got them, when I got these things, my first job, my first paycheck, it made me feel like I deserved it so much more because I kind of went through this grind early on in my life and because I see my parents do it. And to this day, I'm constantly so grateful for everything they sacrificed because they kind of, they sacrificed a lot of their early age, a lot of their early years, especially by just working their butts off uh, constantly day in, day out for me to now have such a better future and to be able to have a nice, you know, education, as they say here, you know, went to school and everything. And I don't really have debt at all. And I'm very grateful for where I'm at, but uh, that's kind of not where it doesn't stop there. There's, there's so much more that has happened afterwards, but uh, the initial process was, uh, was quite a journey. And uh, that's crazy. Um, You said that you left Poland when you were five. Yes. So do you have memories of growing up in Poland or um, can you kind of describe the differences between um, what you thought it was going to be like coming to the United States and then what it actually was like? Was it kind of like this place that you expected like all your problems to disappear and everything was going to be amazing and then you get here and you're like, shit, people have to work here too? Honestly, uh, I I do have memories. A lot of the memories are being with my grandma. She kind of took control and raised me during those early years a lot and a lot of chickens and cows like that's my memory that's what i remember i was in straight up like close to highlander country farmland um that's all i remember I remember goats chickens wild like sheepdogs running around uh, a couple cows and my grandma teaching me how to try milk a cow and things like that that's what i remember so coming here was wild i you know i get off this airplane and I see lights. I see, I see buildings bigger than two stories tall. And it's like, whoa. Um, you know, at the moment, I guess it was all still so new to me that I guess it just became a new part of life. It kind of transitioned very easily. I can't imagine being older. So anybody else out there that comes at like in their teens, for example, that's got to be a struggle because especially if you're so secluded, your early part in your life. Um, so that was, uh, that was a wild ride. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to get to some of the things that you've done business wise here in the course of this interview, but I'm interested to know, because I also grew up in a farming town, what you thought about the um, values and the lessons that were instilled in you when you were working on that farm on and how that impacted your success growing up. Do you think there's a correlation there? I don't know if I ever worked too much on it. <laughs> I think I was more just lounge, like looking around and just interested in learning. Maybe it made me a better learner because I was constantly observing and I had to pay attention early on right away. Uh, I, I saw that you had to work to earn it, to do something, to, to make something happen. So yeah, I guess now that you make you think about it, there, there is a correlation. I mean, I, like I saw it. that you have to actually do things. You can't just sit there. Nobody, nobody there was really sitting around. You know, if you're on a farm, you're not sitting around because then you're, you're not going to survive. For and sure. It showed me right away that you have to get up. You can't be sitting on that couch. You got to do things. And that's the sort of mentality I probably ha- I've had since, since I got here. Though, there, though this culture, you know, here in America, I think naturally gets you 
turns you a little lazy. It does because you have so many things that constantly are pushed into you. You know, you get in this tunnel vision of, you know, watching the newest shows, the newest Netflix, the newest social media to sit on and, and binge it. And, and we get, I think we have to kind of separate ourselves out from realizing what's reality and what's not. So it's a whole, whole topic in itself. That's- oh, for sure. And, you know, honestly, I, I don't know if it's as much laziness as it is like this entitled feeling. Like there's so many people, and I think honestly, myself included, they can't really imagine a life without those things. You just think that that's the way life is and that you're supposed to grow up with those. And you kind of forget that that's not actually true, that like you don't show up and all of a sudden you just have TV and you have a cell phone and that's just a part of life. Um, We get entitled thinking that that's something that we should have every day and forget that um, people have to work for that and that there are people out there who don't have those things. And we get like really complacent. Yeah. And and I got like that too. Because as soon as you start getting those things, as soon as when I got older and and we kind of eventually, you know, had our little success story and we're better off, then I definitely sort of feel in that way. The more things you get, you know, the more comfortable you get once you get your big boy job, which is, <laughs> which is definitely something we're going to talk about, I'm sure. Um, and you get your first, you know, nice big paychecks. Yeah, you get very comfortable real quick. For sure. So one of the things that you said that I absolutely loved that I want to give you a chance to expand on is that you had a chip on your shoulder and you used that for your advantage. I absolutely loved the fact that you said you had a chip on your shoulder and you used it for your advantage instead of talking about this chip on your shoulder that held you back. Can you talk about how you felt like it was an advantage to you? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Great question. Uh, I I definitely see people use it as a disadvantage. There's there's always going to be the category of, I guess, complainers and that I was put here and um, I can't can't make it. I'm, I'm at a disadvantage. I don't have this. I don't have that. Uh, whereas it kind of, it's very much mindset and mentality. And I know it's something you talk about a lot um, and something you love. And when you just believe that you're here for a reason and here you are and what, what you can make out of it, you're getting an opportunity that others aren't, especially looking back at like my, my cousins and family and stuff that still are back there. Not to say they're unhappy. They're, they're a different kind of happy, but they didn't get the same opportunities. Like, guess maybe learning and financial wise uh, that, that I did. And obviously you could still make nowadays with, with the internet and how the world's become, you could kind of make yourself, you know, who you want to be anywhere in the world. But um, I used it towards my advantage as I knew that I had to repay my parents. I just had that, like that feeling like they, they were sacrificing so much because I could see it. They were tired. They're there was constantly, you know, a lot of struggle, you know, it led to arguments, it led to a lot of things. And, and I knew that I needed to pay him back somehow. So I knew that being successful school, like I was supposed to the, the American way and doing very, very damn good in it was going to eventually pay off somehow, some way. Not that I'm a big proponent of school nowadays, but that mentality of whatever you're doing, do that thing as best as possible. Just don't like if you're gonna do it don't half ass it do it do it right do it the full way and make something out of it and 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 take that take that energy take that build take that mentality and apply it to anything else you do in life later on 
Yeah, 100%. And I think that the idea of people being a proponent of school and then getting on the other side of school and not necessarily being a proponent of it is a super common idea. Um, because I am similar in the fact that I believe what school provides, which is, you know, you get your diploma and it shows that you were able to persevere through something and it shows that, you know, you were able to stick with something and learn and discipline yourself. But what did you actually learn? Like there's such a better way of creating life skills and creating opportunities and things to that effect. And and so I completely agree with you that school is important, but at the same time, there's got to be other things that are involved um, because I learned and so did you. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit that you get on the other side of that and you get that corporate job and then your problems that you were trying to make disappear by going to school still exist. And yep. you got to figure out how to be happy. Right. So um, you go to school and um, you get a job working in the corporate world. What did you do? So I, I, I had to do one of four things. Becoming as an immigrant. And if you, if you're watching, if you're listening to this, you could relate. I had to be a doctor, an attorney, engineer, or an accountant. I had to. There is no other way of life. I would be a nobody if I didn't do one of those things. Uh, the only other alternative was becoming a priest. And that, that one went out the window quick. But uh, I had to do one of those things. And so I went down. I was day trading at the time. I was very fortunate enough to... Um, meet someone that, and this goes back to connections and who you know, and not 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 what you know, but who you know. Yeah, was, shout out to Travis Chapel there. Shout out to Travis. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to become a day trader throughout my days in college. I was producing music and stuff on the side too, and I went the safe route because accounting was the safest route. Projections were amazing. I was looking at models. I'm a numbers per guy. I was like, whoa. 16 years of like constant growth coming up. This is going to be perfect. I'm going to be so set. I could get my family, kids. My parents will be so happy. I'll be, you know, dressed up every single day. It's going to be nice. And everybody, you know, everything, accounting was just hot. It was hot when I, when I started school like 10 years ago. And, um, and that's kind of where I, where I went. And I, it was easy. It came, it came naturally to me. It wasn't that hard. And I just sort of went into it and I did it. I did it, you know, it was, it was good. And I thought I always had a feeling in the back of my mind that once I get a job, it's going to be better. Once I get this job, once I graduate, it's going to be better. And if this job sucks, then I'll keep working my way up, keep working it up. And there's all these, you know, people at the top they they get at, they get interviewed like this. They, you know, they, they get talked about in magazines. They drive around sweet, sexy sports cars. You know, they, they have everything and it looked so nice to me. And that's just all what I wanted to do my whole life. And I saw that accounting is one way to do it because people could be very, very well off. And, you know, when, when I finally got into that world, that corporate world, I, it, I wasn't technically at a corporation, but I was at a big public accounting firm and the feel is exactly the same, same kind of setup and structure pretty much. And, and uh, yeah, I, life became miserable. It was exciting for the first year. It was cool. It was new. It was like going to college for the first time or high school for the first time. But afterwards, uh, after some time, I, I became pretty miserable. I put on a ton of weight. I lost, I lost a girlfriend. I lost, you know, some other. I pretty much secluded myself. I lost most of my friends around that time too. I became suicidal. It was a very bad time, and it all kind of stemmed. I went back. I, I started seeing a therapist, and it stemmed to 
not being happy with what I'm doing, not being able, not being in control and working. And, and I realized that a job like that wasn't for me. Sitting in a cubicle, being ordered around every day, that just wasn't for me. It wasn't yeah. in my thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I share your feeling in that. And I, I, one of the things you said with your story that um, I really want to point out is that once you get there, like you'll be happy and life will be better. When did you snap out of that? Once I get somewhere else, I'll be happy mentality and start kind of taking control of what you're doing and making your own path and your own happiness and defining your own success. How long did it take you to kind of make that happen? And what was your experiences in doing that? That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I'm not ever asked this too much yet, which is surprising. There were a few moments. I guess the moments of just hating life and falling like back into a depression, and um, that that's one thing that will definitely stem. You know, you thinking about other things out there for sure. But overall, there was a movement. I feel, and I'm sure you feel that there was a movement just in in general in the U.S. And I, I think the world of just being more entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial minded, there was people out there, AKA Ty Lopez, Gary Vee, Grant Cardone. Um, one of my friends, I think messaged me and he introduced me to Grant Cardone. He's like, Hey, check this out. Um, he's like, he's like, you, you did sales before, like, check this out. He just like, and I listened to one of his audio books or bought a book. And, and then because of him, somehow I came across Gary Vee. Um, so I, I started opening my mind to like different people out there. And once you start listening to some of these things, it's like Kool-Aid, you know, the, the Kool-Aid yeah. around and, and you're like, whoa, there, there's life out there. There's average Joe Schmoes making these things happen. Like say what? And then I saw one of my friends start up a business and that was also like, whoa, um, I guess anybody could start up a business. Really? It's not that hard. And just like all these things started coming into my mind and I started researching certain things, reading certain mindsets books and I got into podcasts. So whoever's listening, get into podcasts now, especially this one right here. <laughs> it will not disappoint. And that opened up my mind. It changed my life. Podcasts and audiobooks, I would say they're two things. Eventually I like had this crazy thing. I went on a life-changing trip by myself. I backpacked and met met wild, crazy people. And that, that was like the crazy vision enlightenment moment I had before I quit. But prior to that, the buildup was opening myself up to different podcasts and audiobooks and listening to other people go into a lot of networking groups that my business, that my company was sponsoring. So I took advantage of being at a, at a company that's paying for all these things to help you grow. And at the moment, you know, I, I, it's not like I was doing it in a bad way. I just took advantage of the resources that were there where most people weren't. I was, you know, leading some groups. I was meeting a lot more people than I probably should have. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's crazy that you say that because first of all, before I move on to that and really delve into what you just said, the outdoorsman in me needs to know where you backpacked. <laughs> it wasn't as wild as I, I wish I went somewhere like more intense, but I kept it kind of local for certain reasons, but uh, I road tripped by myself. So first of all, the scariest part was road tripping by yourself for all, all, almost a month. And it's, you, you, you get scared. You're like, what am I going to do all alone? I usually would always go on trips with, with ex-girlfriends or with friends. And it was always just the same thing. 
And for once, nobody wanted to go. Everybody wanted to fly in here, here, here. And I just wanted to go like everywhere. And I'm like, finally, like, why not? Why not? I know some people here, some people there. I have cousins here. I'll meet them up along the way. If I'm really that lonely and I'm crying myself, I'll fly back or something. I'll, I'll drive back, I guess. I think the value, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I think the value of traveling alone is completely under estimated. Like you learn so much about yourself when you're willing to go alone. And I would say we're going to get into talking about conferences in just a minute, but even going to conferences alone, like when people say, nobody will go to this conference with me, go alone. Cause when you travel alone, when you go to conferences alone, that's when you step out of your comfort zone and you're willing to meet people and you actually get the full experience instead of staying in your group. So anyway, sorry, keep going. No, that's the bust. And like no offense, but I've seen now, now I'm going to get off topic, but I've seen like people travel with groups or like with their posse or with, um, you know, their significant others. And it's like, all right, nothing against it. But at the same time, those are the people that usually that, that, that have the least connections afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've heard about it. Oh, I didn't get as much out of this event. And then like I seen them at the event and they were constantly just with that other person the whole time and not really opening themselves up. And not be against, you know, going with your significant other and whatnot, but sometimes it is a different experience if you're going for different reasons. Absolutely. And I think that we, um, we get stuck in our heads of, you know, I don't want to go talk to these people because what are they going to think? And we forget that everybody at that conference or everybody that is, you know, where you're traveling they're all having those same thoughts. Like nobody wants to be the one that reaches out and says, Hey, what's up? Um, even at conferences. And so it's a total human connection and that's what success is all about. And what creates, um, kind of your fulfillment is what your ability to make human connections with people. It's why I'm such a big proponent of traveling alone. Yeah. And I mean, for like a quick tip, my, my easiest way of getting out of those uncomfortable moments would be to find someone else at, the, at an event that is more uncomfortable than me. I will find that individual as bad as it sounds, but it's, it's awesome. It's, it works. Find that individual, go spark up a conversation with them. A lot of times they are way more scared than you are. And, but you, by you doing that, it makes them feel so good. And it just makes you feel even better. And then great things happen. Like then maybe somebody else will see, Oh, there's two people here. Now I'll chime in. Or then you could team up and try to go with that person to, you know, talk with somebody else. Naturally, once you meet that other person or make someone else feel better, good things come. And I don't know why, but it's just like one of those mindset energy things and and it works. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were traveling alone, what was the favorite things that you got to do? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So I went, I road tripped from Chicago. That's where I'm at right now. I went from down to Missouri, uh, St. Louis. Then I kept going down, went through like uh, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, went down to Florida, went to the whole West side, went to Clearwater, then went to like uh, Fort Myers area, all those different little Island beaches areas around there. Then I went down to Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I have cousins there, left my car there. I flew out to Puerto Rico. I stayed there for a few days, stayed at a hostel there for the first time in my life. That was wild. And then went to a couple um, islands around there as well. Um, can't remember the exact names. I think Calibria. I, I can't remember the exact names of all of them. But went to a couple islands around there, then eventually flew back. 
to Fort Lauderdale. Then I drove up all the way up the East Coast, stopped at like Savannah, went to some places in South Carolina, and then finally made my way up to the Appalachian Mountains. And I parked my car. It was, I believe, West Virginia, uh, somewhere in Virginia where one of the, uh, there's like the trail and there's like a campground, parked my car there, left it, and went hiking the Appalachian Trail uh, for a little while, for a few days as well. And at that point, that was the, the that was probably the best part of the whole trip because I, as soon as I got there, first of all, it was kind of freaky because I was driving and all of a sudden, as soon as I got up to the mountains, my cell phone service went off. And I was coming there at night. Um, no one kind of, only my, my parents knew that I was going up there. And at that point, I lost contact, lost service, didn't have service for the next three or four days. So they wow. t- I just kind of went cold off the grid. But at that point, I was ninth already. It was like 11 or 12 at night. I wasn't turning back. Like I, I wasn't going to, at this point, I was limited on days. I knew I had this many days left. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going camping out here by myself. I'm going to backpack it. And I wasn't going to turn back. So I was just hoping that they knew, you know, I was going up here. It's mountains and that they just would assume that, you know, service would be bad. I was not stopping myself and I just went for it. And once I got in there, I was like, I was hopeful service would come back. I thought it was going to, it never did. So I was living with no cell phone service, but it turned out to be the greatest thing ever. For about four days, I didn't have service at all. And let's just say I probably had more like develop more self-development, more experiences, more breakthrough than ever before. It was such That's a beautiful amazing. time. Such a That's beautiful amazing. time. So when did you decide that you were going to leave the accounting field and move into this entrepreneurial idea and start opening businesses and your podcast and the, all the things that are amazing that you have going on now? What was kind of your first step in doing that? It was probably on the strip. As I was meeting people from different countries, especially when I stayed at a hostel, I met like 30 individuals, like 20 to 30, and they were just from every single part of the world, all over Europe, um, uh, Australia, South America, you name it. And everybody just had different, uh, different concepts and different ways they, they, did, they went through life. And some of them just actually traveled for fun and then worked as they traveled or like started up little side gigs, side businesses as they traveled. And, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And they all seemed so happy. So that was kind of my initial first taste. So traveling alone, being able to stay at a hostel, meeting these different individuals showed me that it is possible. You can still sustain your life. You can still be happy. And I guess age played a part of it, part in it. For me, I felt that if I'm ever going to do it, time is now. I don't have, didn't have, you know, no wife, kids, mortgage. I've been very lucky to pay off all my loans, all that stuff from school. So that wasn't holding me back. I had nothing holding me back. But well, that's a whole other topic too, because right now I hear excuses every single day about what's holding everybody back. But that's that's a whole other topic in its own. But um, you and me both, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, and and it sounds so. It sounds so preachy to say, but I mean, if it's important to you, you figure it out. And like all those things are, are excuses. Um, and you know, we all make them and you can kind of look at somebody and see the excuses that they're making. And sometimes you have to have somebody point out the excuses that you're making because you say something and it sounds so real to you. And then you need somebody to call you out and say, Hey, that's kind of bullshit. Like if you want to do this, go get it. And that's, that's the part, I guess I, I had a good support system. 
too. My former boss who taught me how to day trade, he was the one that I started up the business with when I was when I left the the company, the public accounting company. And I it was more just kind of setting listening to these different motivational speakers and different people, different entrepreneurs. I realized that these companies want you way more, way more than you want them. And I knew 100%. that no matter what no matter what, I could always go back. I could always go back in a year, two years, five years, because th- there's just there's so there's a shortage. I feel like there is a shortage, especially if you're if you're in these certain fields where there's a lot of need. They they will find you. There's always going to be a job for you. There always will be. And one hundred percent realizing that having that mentality that. I could always go back no matter what and nothing's going to happen. I, I did have to save up. I made a cushion. I saved up myself like probably like 10 months worth of, I counted out my expenses and I had about a 10 month cushion, which turned out to only last me like four months anyways. <laughs> I almost moved into my office and was going to move back to my parents' house. Um, luckily I got, I got lucky and I moved into my fiance's house. So little does she know <laughs> she <came laughs> just the right moments. Well, she was my girlfriend at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really have it figured out. I just knew that I can do it. I didn't even know what I was going to start. I really didn't. We started when I knew I was about to quit. I started throwing ideas around with my, with my now partner and we were just thinking about, you know, what do we know? What can we make better in this world? What kind of need, what needs are there? What trends are there? And honestly, I didn't really have it all figured out. I wasn't making any side income, side hustle money before I quit. I just had enough saved up and I had the mentality that I hated what I was doing so much that whatever I was doing, I was doing such crap work because I hated it that they were paying me for no reason. Like it was pointless for me to be there and I was almost doing it, you know, a disservice to the company by being there because I was so miserable constantly. Yeah. You know, I, um, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about my story and I truly yes. believe that you stay in those uncomfortable positions until the fear of failing at something else is more comforting than going back into that miserable job for another moment. And um, it sounds like that was kind of a very similar experience to what, what you had where, you know, if you, if you fail, you have nothing to lose. Like you can always go back to this miserable experience. So why not take a chance at making something great for yourself? Yeah. And and if there's any way, I guess I could give my tips on how I would do it, how I would maybe do it different. Or um, if you, if you, you know, you're looking for a way, I would probably take as much time off of work as possible. Take like a solid, they say you need at least two weeks. That's like, according to studies, you need two weeks to fully, um, fully realize that you're doing something else. And for work to kind of get off the get off your mind and get get out of your brain's like initial, you know, uh, receptors that you know constantly are in flux of like your reset memories and stuff. So once you and but then most companies limit you; they don't want you taking such long breaks. So there's this whole like conspiracy theory about companies not wanting you to take long breaks or vacations because then you finally kind of snap away from the regular work, the regular nine to five schedule, and you realize that there's another life out there. There's more to life than just working for a big company. And uh, if you can do that, if you can get like a three, four week trip or something in at least, if you can do one of those um, sabbatical leave things, you know, go away for a couple months, uh, 
please, please, please do it. And when you're doing it, be as productive, like do, do things you would never do before. Do things you would never do before. Look into side hustles. Try, try doing something. Read books. Travel alone. That, and then I guarantee you, you will open up your mind. Will open up so much afterwards. You know, you come back and you're not going to want to be back. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think that what you just said is so important. Not only because of the information that you learn, but we have this perspective of the way that we see the world, and that's the only way that we can see it being. Until we force ourselves to look at something different, until we meet somebody who shows us that life can be different or until we do something or um, get out of our comfort zone and experience something that shows us that life can be different. And so the more you're willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone, do things that you've never done before, um, the more you realize how different life can be if you want it to be that way. Yeah. And like, think about it. When, when we start out going to school at, let's say five years old, six years old, we're constantly in school. After, we're constantly like, I'm, I'm, you know, we're in the system constantly. After grade school, right away, you get those couple months, but right away, high school. You don't high school, right away. You know, as you're in high school, they're pushing you into college. As you're in college, they're pushing you, you know, after undergrad, pushing you into a master's program, uh, a graduate program, or they're constantly, you know, pushing you into something. And as soon as you're done, you better make sure you have all those internships because you, you're going you're gonna to be screwed if you don't have an internship or, you know, a job set up for you after you graduate. So you better make sure you start a job right away. You, you better not take any time off. No way. Like three months off, six months, a year. Whoa. Like what's wrong with you? And I think the way that everything works is they, once they get, once you get so into the system and the way the world has to be in the way we're programmed to operate, we forget that there are other options and other alternatives. And um, I think it's kind of like a haze and, and, and it's a problem. I think it is because I think a lot of people out there, a lot of people come to me with, you know, specifically since my podcast is about that, about doing different things, about doing other stuff because they don't know about other things. Like they don't know what it feels like to not work a regular job anymore. And they're always asking me, like, what does it feel like? What is this? Like, how do you, how do you, how are your days? Are they easy? Are they hard? And, and it's something we don't always get to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And since, I mean, that's a great transition into kind of what you're doing with your podcast. So for people who are listening, your podcast is called Bossed to Box, correct? Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that name. I love that name so much because it just encompasses this idea of going to work all the time and then finally taking control of your life and being able to kind of be your own boss in all areas of your life, not just the way that you make money. So talk a little bit about what um, brought you to start that podcast and um, kind of what you um, experienced in in launching it. Yeah, so the po- being being in a podcast, a part of a podcast is a great thing, amazing thing. I think a lot of people, sh- everyone should try out just to kind of get your voice heard and, and, you know, st- and think about it. All podcasts will be, you know, you could save all the content. You could download it all and you could have that forever. It's like your little personal documentary, your personal journey, uh, whatever, you know, journal that, that could always be there documenting, you know, what you thought during these moments. And I got into it by, while I was still at the accounting firm before I quit, but at this moment I already had my mind pretty made up and it was just a matter of if, um, I mean, it was a matter of one, not if, but I did it to motivate a couple colleagues to come into work because we were working on this crap project. It was a summer thing. 
we were slow, but we got put on this horrible project and everybody just hated life. And that was like, that was actually like my breaking point. After this project, I, I knew this was it. And a lot of people, I wasn't the only one that quit actually. There was somebody else that quit shortly after me. And I did it as a joke because it was more like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you come into work. I'm going to start up this podcast. I found this cool software called Anchor. It was so easy to record. I did it on my phone. And I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast just for you. And I did it. And then next thing you know, I come into work the next day. Everybody heard it. Like the <laughs> whole project team heard it. And then next thing you know, by the next day, the like rested office, most of the office heard it. And was this- that scary to you at all? Because I know when I started, um, I was like, what are my what are my colleagues in the legal field going to think about me doing this podcast and kind of putting out these thoughts that are so vulnerable sometimes? Um, did you did you expect your colleagues to hear it? And did you kind of think about what you were going to do if they heard it? Or were you totally blindsided? I was blindsided at first. I did not think it was going to explode the way it did. I literally just shared it to one person and he shared it to somebody else and word got around so quick. And the first episode had like 200 listens in the first like two days. That's and, amazing. And it blew my mind. I didn't know. And then, and then at that point, I was like, I'm not going to stop this. I finally did it my whole life. I've wanted to like to either record videos or just do something, be out there. I feel like I feel that I want it. I always wanted to be heard, so th- I already started it. I, I'm, I'm committed at this point. I was. I told them I'm going to keep doing it to help you keep coming in the work every day because I was kind of one of the project leaders. I kind of so I, I wanted to kind of encourage. I guess I was the encourager of the group, so I wanted to constantly encourage everybody. As much as I hated what I was doing, I always kept trying to encourage people to come in and bring the best out of them. So at that point I became committed and, and things I was saying, cause naturally I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to be talking about topics that I don't feel comfortable about. So I started talking about these things that I'm going to do about these uh, stances I'm going to take about this entrepreneurial world out there about what else we could be doing with our time, you know, how to, how to get motivated. And, and that I kind of started going into that. I might, you go into some entrepreneurial route with my podcast. And I knew some people might hear it. I started getting a little worried. I actually had to delete a few episodes because I spoke my mind way too much. And someone actually approached me and asked me, you know, are you going to be quitting soon? A great way to make yourself do something is by putting it out there and then letting somebody else hear it. And once somebody else hears it and the word is out there, it's too late to delete it. And then you have no choice because I was still scared to quit. I was. This was such a hard time for me because my parents put so much time and money into this. I, I this was what they devote. You know, they it helped me with my with the school, with the loans, with everything. And I finally had that big boy job, and I was looked. I was so looked up to. You know, I was. I went to school and everything. Finished school, first one in my family. You know, here in America, and it was going to be hard. So I knew I had to do something where it was going to be super embarrassing for me to stay if I later decided to stay. So putting myself out there, I kind of gave myself no choice. I feel like sometimes we say, or not sometimes, a lot of times the things that we say to people, we're saying from a place of either needing accountability or we need to get those things out so that somebody holds us accountable. Because I had very similar experiences when I started my podcast with people saying, oh, now that you've told me, I'm going to make you launch. Like you're not backing out of this now. And sometimes yeah. we need that. Awesome. 
Um, one of the things that you said that I really want to point out is that you had your family all around you that would thought that you were so successful and you were like the person that they were super proud of because you had gone to school and done everything that you were supposed to do. Um, how did it make you like, did you have this kind of conflict of identity because everybody thought you were so successful and yet you were so miserable at the same time? It was tough. And what it led to was a lot of bad decisions, I guess. I definitely got into, I got into some bad um, habits, bad, uh, I, I, I wasn't the best of, you know, I, I would go out a lot. I started going out a lot. I used the weekends because I was such a, you know, live your life Monday to Friday. And then as soon as you're done, let's, let's douse yourself in going out, having a good time and booze because you want to forget about everything because you hate it so much. And you feel that that's how life's going to be and you're so invested into it and there's no way you can leave. So that's what I did. And I got, I got in you know, some, some bad and dark places. I, I really did. I struggled and, and uh, it, it, was, it was tough. It's, almost, it's tough to talk about. I, I definitely was in some deep, deep, dark places. I had to start seeing a therapist because I, I couldn't get out of it. And I had to figure out a way. You know, a lot of people definitely helped me um, get out of this, this rut and you know, definitely seeing, seeing a therapist and talking to people um, and opening up about your feelings, which is definitely hard to do. It is definitely you. hard to do. Yeah. And, and especially with the family as strict as mine was with the whole, you know, came here and did all this for you. So I definitely could, you know, connect with those people if anybody needs help because it's not easy. It's not easy. And there was a lot of disagreements, uh, a lot of arguments, especially with my dad, because he was like the strong foot of the household. And um, it was tough. It was tough. I, I was definitely disappointing him. And uh, there were times when it was very hard and I was being, I was called, you know, there was, there was a lot of back and forth. It wasn't an easy time, I guess. What was it like to finally be able to take control of your own success and know that, um, there were opinions of others, especially the people that you loved that didn't agree with what you were doing, but you knew so strongly that this is what you needed to be doing to be happy. Did that ever reconcile? And how did you deal with that? My, at least like my mom throughout the process was pretty open to it. So I might've had that in my blood that she was kind of like the more free spirit, did kind of what she wanted. Technically, she does have her own business. She's a She's uh she cleans homes. She does it very well and she's been doing it for a very long time and she, you know, does it on her own whenever she wants. So there was a little entrepreneurism in the family, I guess you can say. Um, but but she did she did did work very hard to get to where she got to. It, it was a tough time. I didn't talk to him as much. I kind of lost contact. She was trying to keep things cool between my dad and me. My sister was like she like cried to me one time. She's like, what are you doing? Like you did all this. You wasted everybody's money and time. And it was rough. It was rough. I had to just keep listening to motivational things, keep listening to podcasts, audiobooks, and and keep myself busy. I had yeah. to keep myself busy. You know, it's so crazy. I, I'm glad that you, that you said that because so many times the things that we surround ourselves with and the people we surround ourselves with really dictate kind of how far we're willing to go out of our comfort zone. So when you go to these events and you listen to these podcasts, these people that sometimes you've never even met can have such a huge impact on you because it reminds you to keep pushing forward even when there are people in your life that are telling you that this is an awful idea. Yeah, and I don't consume as many podcasts as I once did. 
that just because once you get busy enough and sometimes there's just such an overabundance of information, I pick and choose. But there was a moment, and I highly recommend doing this, when I just binged. I binged. I was not listening to music. When I was you know, in a train, in a car, working out, I was binging podcasts. I was just getting all types of information, learning all types of things, things they don't teach you in school, things you don't learn in a textbook. You know, from yeah, one hundred percent. Well, they have done things, and uh, it was a, it was a good way to to get the negative out of your mind. You know, I think the biggest thing for me was seeing that everybody, everybody that talks on a podcast, without exception, has the same struggles that we're going through. And we see these people that are so successful and you think you're different than they are. And the only thing that's different is that they've worked at it longer than you have, you know, the, the um, same insecurities that we all have, these people have as well. And so that was huge for me. And then also seeing that there are so many different ways to get to that same point, that there's no real rule book. There's no real definition. You get to decide what you want to do. And I wouldn't have learned that without binging podcasts and going to events and just surrounding myself with those kind of people. And it's, and it's a beautiful feeling, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I, and starting this podcast honestly has been such a freeing thing because you get to share that with everybody else. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the most vulnerable thing I've ever done, but it's also the most rewarding hands down without question. Yeah. And, and even in the big initial stages, like that's, that's the hardest part. You get past those first few episodes and, and people are like, you know, what is this podcasting? You know, especially your closest friends so that, that aren't into it. They're like, what is this? Why are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself out there? Um, you'll definitely have, and it's sad, but there'll definitely be people that are, that are in your close network that'll kind of try to shut you down. Oh yeah. 100%. Oh, and um, and that comes from a place of love from them, a place of, for the most part, um, it comes from a place of love and a place of them wanting to not see you get hurt. Um, and it's the only way that they know how to express that. And there's no better feeling than being able to prove someone wrong. If Isn't could, that the truth? Yeah. If you could use that as motivation to keep it going, keep it going, just keep it going, put it in the work. 100%. So I want to talk about your business here for just a minute. You are obviously don't just run a podcast. You have a business in Chicago that um, you are the owner of. Why don't you go ahead and talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So the company that I ended up starting as I, uh, as I was leaving the, the accounting world, the, the secure world of, of getting a regular paycheck is called Hodgepodge. It's a, it's a, it's an environmental company. We uh, move people, we remove things, we take things out of homes, store it, bring it back. Pretty much we're dealing with stuff, dealing with your stuff. And, and we're not just throwing it away though. That's the biggest thing. We want to keep it out of the waste stream. We go through it every day, recycle it, donate it. We have like 30 charities we work with. We're constantly repurposing items, getting them to other people in need. And that just, it kind of stems back to me when I came here to America, that's how I got things. And that was one of the big reasons why this was such a big big part of this company that we started. And it's been a little over two years. I started it um, shortly after I started my first podcast. So the podcast, the first one, Love the Journey, which was more like an amateur thing. I'd record it out of my car and uh, and just... Yeah, it was it was good, but that podcast now is boss to boss, and it still documents my journey since the beginning. It still That's documents amazing. from pre quitting to starting the business, and then the weekly struggles that constantly keep happening. 
I, I make sure to keep that part because I feel that it resonates with a lot of people and, and it just keeps me, me. It makes me different from others. It shows that a regular Joe Schmo like me that had a regular accounting job, a good old cubicle life could, could make something happen. Even though I didn't, you know, I'm not here destroying it by any means. I'm not, but am, am I, am I making an impact? Am I doing more than I was a few years back? Am I on more radars? Am I making something happen? Can I say I've accomplished more than I ever did? Yes. That I definitely. That's amazing. It hasn't been amazing. easy. That, that's, it has not been easy. That I could tell you. It's not butterflies. It's not rainbows. Hardly ever because the lows are very low, but the highs are super high too. So to give yeah, it Yeah. And we're going to get into um, here in just a few minutes, the lows and how failure has played a role in your success. But I want to highlight something that you said first and going back into probably almost the middle-ish of this interview, you said that you were looking for what needs needed to be fulfilled as you were getting ready to leave your accounting job. And that really stuck out to me. Um, and then again, as you talk about why you started this business in seeing a need that existed and how you could fulfill that need and provide value to others. Can you talk about how much that played a role in the start of your business? Yeah. I, uh, being in accounting, not to bash it or anything, but my particular role being an audit, I was constantly just, I looked at the meaning of what I was doing. I looked at the meaning of my work. And at the end of the day, I was just counting other people's money to make sure that, that they're getting paid out enough and, or not enough and vice versa. And that was the meaning of my work. I, I, and I was like, how, how am I supposed to be happy doing this for the rest of my life? I, I, I'm doing, I think they say about 20, I forgot this number, but it's like 20 years or something you end up working of your life or some, something like that. It's a crazy number. And um, I was like, how, am I, how, how is this happy? How am I making an impact? How, how am I going to be able to like close out my life later on and be like, whoa, I, I really made an impact here. And it's just the way I felt. Some people have a drive to it and they really connect with that and they, they love it. But for me, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't, and I wanted to make a bigger impact, and there's too many issues going on with the world. There's too many things that aren't being done properly. There's too many avenues that need help, and we found one. We, we were looking at the trends, and you know, people, people are getting older. There, there are a lot more things out there. There are issues. Global warming, maybe some people disagree with it, but it's tough. It's tough not to. I mean, it's, it's tough to look out there what's been happening the past few years and say it's, say it's not real. And we, I kind of stemmed, it stemmed back to me that items are a big proponent of it. Items are being made. Items are being produced. Things. We all have things. We all have furniture and clothes and boxes and bags. You know, look around you. Everywhere you're at, you have stuff. And that just uh, played such a role because I knew that if we can make even a small dent, like, like a 1%, like a 0.01% in how big this industry is, it's going to make an impact because every little percentage, every little number, you know, your vote counts, right? Your vote matters. And that's kind of where this fulfillment by running this business, not just to hopefully make some money one day, because being in the early stages, we're, by no means am I really paying myself out much. I barely get by right now. But it's because I hope that this makes such an impact and, and seeing other people benefit from it 
has been definitely worthwhile and been worth every sweat and tear that's got into it. That's amazing. So I want to um, use that to kind of segue into um, some questions that relate to the podcast, which obviously is about success. And we've covered a lot of um, ground in that area already. But I ask all of my guests this question. Um, what is your definition of success? And how has that changed throughout the life uh, throughout your life? So these are the questions I was supposed to look at, but I chose <laughs> not to. <laughs> Oh, great. No, that's amazing. This is good. Success. When I was younger, when I was like in grade school, I always looked at success as making an impact and being that firefighter, being that astronaut, being that person that is making an impact, saving someone, helping someone, you know, giving things away. Those are the successful people. Those are the people that looked happy to me. As I got a little older, as the Kardashians of the world, as you know, all that stuff, MTV got big. I success turned into, oh man, I, I need money. I need cars. I need big houses. I need all that. That's, you know, I need private islands. That's what success turned into. To turn, you know, and that's why I was comfortable with where I was going because my, tra- my trajectory was, was good. You know, the career I got, I, I was doing very well and I could have, you know, gotten up there one day, but by that, you know, I would have been 60, 70 years old and who knows how my health would have been if I would have been miserable. Now the success has come full circle and now it's back to being happy, making an impact. So it's back to like my younger self. It sort of came back and it's how, how happy you really are doing something you love and making an impact on others on a daily basis and being okay. able to make these decisions you know, on, on your free will for the most part. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And throughout the this conversation, you've used the word impact so much. And that is so, it's so important to look at how you are impacting the people around you, because that's, that's where your financial success comes from too. If people don't realize that you start businesses and people aren't just going to hand you their money unless you can explain how you're going to impact them to be better. So the impact has to come before the financial success. I truly believe that. So we talked about your trip, um, your back, pack trip and the fact that this had a huge impact on um, kind of what you decided to do and stepping out of your comfort zone. But where can you describe your relationship with fulfillment and success and being willing to get out of your comfort zone? Uh, that's, that's a very, very tough question. <laughs> it's good. You're really putting me here, uh, I guess, on the hot chair. And um, my fulfillment to success and I guess from the very early, early days, if I wasn't successful or doing things right, I, I felt like I was a nobody. I guess that's just the way I was raised and that just sort of stuck with me. And I, I, But I got to a moment, to a point that I realized that success isn't everything. And I realized that happiness and health, family, things like that, love, it means so much more than just being a successful person. So obviously it's important, but the definition of it has changed for me and success isn't just monetary or financial anymore and, and status. It's all these other things combined. That, I love it. Help. So that's kind of, that's my relationship with it, I guess I would say. So being fulfilled and uh, would be a combination of all those factors. 
I love it. Um, and then everybody's least favorite topic, failure. Can you talk about um, a big failure in your life that turned out to be um, super important to your success? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess there were there were uh, there were a few for sure. Um, a, a big one would probably have to be trying to become a world known DJ. <laughs> uh, that that was one thing. I I was really big into it throughout college. I tried to produce music. I invested lots of money into it, and and a lot of time and efforts and I had such a passion for music. I still do, but being able to fall down and realizing that I gave it my all and that, that I guess I still got back up and I, I still finished school and I was successful in so many other avenues. And now I've turned it into other, other things that I've done. Uh, that was definitely, definitely one way. Cause I learned that I learned to work for myself, I guess. I was constantly going out, trying to meet people, trying to promote my music, my things, getting people to come to to my shows, to my to venues. I was already kind of in that business mindset. So even though I failed at the very end, and no, I'm not no well-known you know, world DJ that's playing to millions of people or anything like that, um, even though I had like one little song that was kind of successful for like a minute, none of that matters because all the skills that I learned throughout the process are what I'm using now. And it keeps me going because I know that what I did, maybe here I did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Now I'm making those changes with my new thing. I'm doing this right, this right, this right. So I'm still doing things wrong. Now they're just on a different level. So it kind of helped me prepare for where I'm at right now. Love it. All right. So before we end, I'm going to do um, a quick random round with you, ask you a few questions, let everybody get to know you a little bit. Right. Um, so other than what you're doing now, what, um, profession do you think would be fun to attempt? <laughs> Being a skydive coach. A skydive coach. Okay. <laughs> um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would definitely go to like the mid middle eight, the mid, the Renaissance ages. Like, was that what I, yeah. Renaissance ages. Um, and I would just, you know why it's because game of Thrones. That's why. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the Renaissance, but <laughs> there's nothing cooler than like, I don't know. I got into that show and I don't really watch too many nowadays, but I got suckered into it just because everybody else and there'd be nothing cooler than to like live in those older ages, I guess. Love it. Go back in. When you get there, let me know whether Game of Thrones is accurate or not. Um, so these may be the same, but what personality trait has been the most helpful to you in your journey and which one has gotten you in the most trouble? Communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both ways, right? Yes, definitely. Because if you can communicate, if you can talk to people, if you can put yourself out there, doors will open. Beautiful, magical things will happen. But at the same time, you can say the right, the wrong things and you're going to get in trouble. You will get Truth. shut down real quick. You got to watch out. Truth. All right. We've talked about music a little bit and audiobooks. Um, what are you um, listening to or reading right now um, that motivates you? Miracle Morning. Um, trying to get, oh, well, I just started. <laughs> it's just because I'm not a morning person and I want to get into it. So that's something that I'm working on and I figured why not listen to an audiobook about it. Well, and it's almost like you read my questions even though we know you didn't cuz my next one is do you have a morning routine or what do you <laughs> do when you wake up to 
to kind of pump yourself up and get yourself set for the day? Uh, my morning routine sucks. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be over here preaching about it because it sucks. It really does. I I am, my morning routine kind of comes in throughout the day. I guess it's a bad way to start the day, but I've just been. I get so productive later on in the day. In the days, I'm such a night owl that my morning routine almost happens later on in my day. But for the for the days when I do wake up earlier, I will wash my face with cold water, brush my teeth, drink a whole bottle of water, and do yoga for seven minutes. And and if I'm really on top of my game, I'll write down a journal for like five minutes to plan out my day. Those days are amazing when it happens, but it doesn't happen often. So seven minutes is such a random number. Is there a reason behind the seven minutes of yoga? Yeah, I just had to set like a weird number and stick to it. Five minutes felt wasn't enough. Ten minutes always was like, oh man, ten minutes was double digits. So I just set it at seven and it's helped me actually do it. I like it. All right. So before we end today, um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you the most on social media? Um, we'll put all of your social media stuff in the show notes, but go ahead and tell everybody where they can track you down and where they can find your podcast. Yeah. Uh, the best place would just to be go on the website, bossed to boss.com. So that's bossed the number two boss.com. You could just uh, go on Facebook. Also type in bossed to boss. We have a community, we have a group, a page, all that good stuff. And you can track us down on iTunes, Google, Spotify, you name it, YouTube, <laughs> um, all, the, all the good places. But the website's probably just the best place to find Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have an incredibly interesting and inspiring story that's gone from school to business ownership. And I really appreciate you coming on to kind of share that with the listeners and give them some insight. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for uh, letting me share all this. Uh, this was uh, definitely brought me back because you kind of almost went through like a timeline with me and, and you were, you were a great host. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.